You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. The man who will bring justice to those who have poisoned my city. My name is Oliver Queen. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, November 13th. 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie. Hi, guys. I'm finally glad to be back. Well, I'm glad to finally be back. You're finally glad to be back? I'm finally glad to be back. Yeah, no, I'm glad to finally be back, and we have a pretty exciting episode to talk about. I like it. Katie already has word salad. It's fantastic. <laughs> Heather Bishop. What's up, guys? I'm glad to be back, and I can't wait to get into this episode tonight. And Jenna Pace. Hey, everyone. Who's ready to talk about Wake Up Call? Yeah! She just stepped out of Ronnie's bar. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay, that sounds like a great suggestion. (laughs) I like it. All right, let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 6, which was titled Wake Up Call and aired November 10th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Feeling like a third wheel as Henry and Cinderella's relationship strengthens, Regina is surprised to find herself needed by Drizella, who is searching for magic. But when a brutal truth is revealed, it could lead Drizella down a dangerous path. In Hyperion Heights, Ronnie seeks Weaver's help in finding answers, and Tilly offers Rogers some intriguing advice concerning Eloise Gardner. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 6. Once Upon a Time was viewed by 2.41 million total viewers, with a .5 in the demo. It added a handful of eyeballs to the live viewership while steady in the demo. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and let's start off with Katie. Well, I really liked this episode. Um, I thought it was a classic really good episode that dives into a little bit into more of Regina's past and gives her a little bit more of a chance to shine, but it also gave a chance to shine for one of our new um, characters on the show, and that would be Ivy slash Drizella. Um, 
I just thought this episode had a lot of great plot twists, um, some things that happened uh, that we'll get into later, but um, it was just, it was fantastic. I really, really liked it. There was great performances by um, Lana Priya and, um, yep, her name just totally escaped me. Adelaide uh, Kane? Yep, that's what I'm looking for, and, and also by Adelaide Kane. So... Uh, it was a fun episode to watch and a very entertaining hour. Heather, what about you? I was very interesting. I was, um, I really liked this episode. I felt like it kind of started off a little bit slower than some of the others, but as it picked up and with all of the different twists that kept happening, and I'd be like, "Oh well, I know what's happening this time," and then. Nope, sure don't. It was really good. I liked this. I really liked this episode. I'm actually really liking season seven, which kind of surprises me a little bit, but I'm excited about it. Jenna, what about you? I really loved this episode. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, I like the mix of the more familiar dynamics, like Regina and Rumpel and Regina and Henry, as well as the newer dynamics, like Regina and Drusilla. Have I mentioned that Regina was in this episode? Because she was, and she was flawless. Um, yep. She, uh, they, gave, they had a really engaging conflict. Um, as Katie said, I loved Adelaide as Drizella. It, she's such a compelling, cool, like, crazy, but in the best way kind of villain. She just keeps you on edge, and it just, the whole episode just left you with a feeling of good mystery and intrigue that... I, I'm just so excited to keep watching and seeing where Season seven's going. All right, now. I will continue the positivity. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Regina is my fave as well, you know, much like uh, Jenna. So this was a fantastic episode because of that. But it also had some really intriguing twists and turns. I'm really enjoying what appears to be like the big bad of the season which is nice and uh, for all of like the haters out there that started off like watching this season and you know saying sort of like uh it's the same thing all over again you know with the stepmother you know hating on um, the stepdaughter and a secret and all this kind of stuff these past two episodes really flipped that whole thing over its head basically so uh, you know it it really changed what the real story for the season is and i liked it i thought it was a beautifully done twist and revelation and i am really excited to chat with all of you about this episode and i'm even more excited to see what ends up happening next because they're setting up for like a really fascinating season so before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of once upon a time here's our announcer with a few special announcements Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. 
To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get into it. A quick shout out to the opening title card, which featured a tower in the forest. More on that tower a little bit later. So let's start off as we usually do in the magical forest, as we're calling it. And uh, we see Henry and Ella together. They're trying to, you know, just they're tinkering. He's teaching her how to, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, fix the uh, motorcycle when a couple of uh, thugs, uh, you know, approach them. They want to steal the, um, what do they call it? The, the, The coachless, the horseless coach or whatever the hell they called it. And it was the magic, the magic, it was the magic something. Magic They referred to it coach? as magical. Something like that. Whatever. It, but um, they're trying to steal it, basically. And uh, Regina's there, ready to rumble with her fireballs. But the fireballs are not needed because Henry and Ella easily, you know, uh, handle those thieves and, and that whole type of thing. And so... Regina, you know, feels like, you know, maybe she isn't necessarily needed, you know, that Henry doesn't need his mother there to protect him. And so upon taking a stroll in the woods, she ends up finding a cloaked figure getting attacked by this magical, uh, uh, almost like a Venus flytrap type of uh, flower. And um, Regina saves this individual and it turns out that this hooded figure is Drizella and uh, she's out there um oh just to in, in case you didn't notice it for those out there that are listening where they are is the location of that tower that we saw in the opening title card except the tower has been destroyed and so Drizella is there like searching for magic. She's trying to steal some magic so that she can basically magic herself away, I guess, from uh, Lady Tremaine. And uh, she's like, you know, this is the only way that she can get away from her mother with some magic. 
And so Regina agrees to help her. And she also learns that Drizella was born with magic. And uh, apparently Lady Tremaine has tried to dissuade her from, like, learning magic, from using the magic. She's forced her to suppress her magic and that kind of thing. And so Regina starts training Drizella, but uh, nothing's working. And so uh, Regina gets the idea to basically put them in danger. And so she... um, she breaks some more of this tower and it starts falling down and Drizella's power comes to life and uh, completely destroys, obliterates the uh, crumbling stone from the wall of the tower. So uh, Rumple appears and uh, he ends up, you know, stealing Regina away to chat and uh, Rumple starts, you know, sowing some like seeds into uh, Regina's mind because Regina's like you know I want to be able to cultivate someone you know to to like use their magic for good as opposed to using the magic for revenge and darkness and that kind of thing like she was taught and Rumple basically asks the question do you really think that Lady Tremaine would just you know up and uh, not know about all of this that she wouldn't you know know that Drizella is being taught magic. Do you think your mom, Cora, would not have known? And so, upon taking that advice, Regina ends up using her magic mirror to show Drizella that Lady Tremaine is using magic to uh, remove Anastasia's heart. And so, apparently, Lady Tremaine's plan is to steal Drizella's heart and place it inside of Anastasia, so Anastasia can be brought back to life. And Or, well, she's alive, but she's just got that one breath thing. And, um, you know, uh, Lady Tremaine had failed to get Henry's heart, and so Lady Tremaine needs a, a pure heart. And... Uh, Drizella ends up wanting to basically stop her mother by, um, you know, all means necessary, you know, and Regina tries to dissuade her from doing that by telling her that, you know, revenge isn't the best. I tried it. I tried this thing called the dark curse and sure it gave me what I wanted or what I thought I wanted, but at the end of the day, it wasn't what I really wanted. It wasn't what I really needed. And so, uh, you know, it's not good to go down the path of revenge and so Drizella basically is like well if you're not going to help me I'm gonna I know what I'm going to do so Drizella shows up with Prince Gregor uh, a man that she's uh, I guess supposed to marry or was uh, I guess Lady Tremaine set up for her to marry and Prince Gregor is ready to kill Lady Tremaine he uh like starts to lunge towards her but regina freezes him and it turns out that it wasn't what regina thought you know the whole plan wasn't so that gregor can kill lady tremaine the plan was for gisella to kill gregor via a vine and uh, this would in turn turn gisella's heart uh, black, so she is no longer innocent. So she no longer has, you know, goodness in her heart, and uh, this ruins 
Lady Tremaine's plans for Drizella's heart, as well as ruins uh, Regina's uh, sort of uh, ideas for, and hope for Drizella to uh, use her magic for good. And so Drizella ends up telling her mom that she's going to cast the Dark Curse and that she's going to take her to a place where she's going to think that she's in control, but it's really going to be pain and misery for Lady Tremaine, Regina tells Drizella that she may think that she's going to craft this perfect curse, but that the heroes will always win. And that's when Drizella, right as she poofs away, lets Regina know, thank you for this final lesson. I will make my curse hero-proof. And then the flashbacks end with this really nice scene of Regina and Henry spending some time together and... Uh, Regina feels that Henry doesn't need her, but Henry's like, I will always need my mom. And she's very excited to hear that because she was going crazy, you know, without Henry in Storybrooke. So let's break all of this down because I've, I feel like this flashback was chock full of juicy information that we did not have. So I was like, let me get through the recap quickly so that we can all just discuss this. So... Let's start off with Jenna, since she is Regina's biggest fan next to me. Um, okay, I'm not, I I actually am pretty like I I'm good with Regina, but she was she's never my favorite character. I do like her, just to clarify. Um, but anyway, well, I, I heard you were a fan of Lana. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, well Lana's amazing. She's She's just fantastic. But anyways, um, on to the episode. So first I want to point out a cool fun fact. Um, when Henry's fighting off those goons at the beginning of the episode, he uses a Tron lunchbox, which A, he was given as a child, and B, Tron is another project that Adam and Eddie worked on. I believe they wrote that film, Tron Legacy. So that's pretty groovy. Um, uh, so that was pretty cool. I like that opening scene. I like getting to see more of Henry and Cinderella, or Ella, I guess as I should say, interacting and seeing just, like, in that short time, just how much they've developed together, that they're, like, forming this cool team that can just get anything done. And, well, they're not in a relationship yet, it's just, like, they're slowly getting to know each other, and they're kindred spirits. They have this connection. Um, Regina's feelings of self-consciousness are very relatable, very understandable, and so it makes sense when she kind of, like, she kind of ends up taking Drizilla under her wing. Um, so that's cool. I'm wondering, the tower that they were rehearsed, that they were, like, practicing by, is that perhaps Rapunzel's tower? Maybe there's, like, some, maybe stuff from, maybe this was, like, a first tower or something. Mm -hmm. I was kind of, when I saw that at first, that was my first thought as well, that it related to Rapunzel somehow. Yes, and it leads to my theory about who Rapunzel really is. Ooh. That's what I'm, I think we're Ooh. on the same page. <laughs> Um, but we'll get into that, I guess, a little bit later. So, um, I really like the connection between Regina and Drizella. I like how they're I like how Regina's putting this energy into making sure she doesn't make the same mistakes. It's a very, it, it's like a nice mentor-parent-child relationship. And it's so, and it's so tragic to hear, like, when it all falls apart. Like, when we see that, um, well... We see that um, uh, Lady Tremaine's planning on using Drizella's heart to wake Anastasia by making it pure and making it magical. 
and how they can't how Regina and Jill can't come to a compromise. Though I kind of wonder why Regina didn't offer to protect Drizella's heart in the same way that she was able to protect Henry's heart. But maybe there's like maybe it's magic that she can't do just yet because her magic's still a little clunky. And that's like maybe a very powerful move. That's what I was a possibility. Um, I also really like Regina and Rumpel's scene. I've always liked that dynamic, the mentor-student dynamic, and it's nice to see it in a night in a calmer, kinder setting. So it shows like how the years have worked to repair this dynamic that was in a very that you used to be in a very messy place, used to be in a very complicated place, and you see that there is fondness. There's that mentor-student fondness that there's the they're old friends and they care about each other and. They're just two friends who are talking and are giving each other the best of advice. Um, the ending, what um, the scene with Drizella and Regina and Lady Tremaine was so cool. Nobody had any idea what was going to happen to Prince Gregor. Like, she was going to kill him to darken her own heart. And that was brilliant. And it shows the kind of now villain that we're dealing with with Drizella-Ivy. She's cool. She's wicked. She's really, really clever, especially with like the idea that she's going to make a hero-proof curse. She really internalizes Regina's lessons, and while kind of perverting them, it, it's unique how she takes this, how she takes her training. Also, I didn't point this out earlier, but I kind of like, it's a little bit of a throwback to when Regina was teaching Emma magic with the whole making the tower fall. Mm -hmm. In the same way that she kind of unleashed Emma into yeah. the jungle. So, yeah. I thought so, the same thing. Yeah. It was cool. Um, and then that last scene with Henry and Regina was really heartwarming. It was just nice to, it's nice to see that, that they have that, the, the Regal Believer connection is just so in tune, so nice, and it's gone to this really great place over the course of the seasons. In season one, it was just, it was difficult to, like, love, but over the seasons, they've made it such a heartwarming relationship that you want to see them in this happy place, and you want to see them together, and and so it makes moments like these just so beautiful. So, yeah, just overall, this scene got me so excited to know what's going to happen next. And when you have a show like Once Upon a Time where some things are like almost foregone conclusions. You really need to have that level of investment in the past events. And this episode did a really good job in making that so. I totes my goats agree fully. And listeners, stay tuned. Later on, we will be discussing what it means. Quote unquote, hero proof curse. What does that mean? We will give our theories a little bit later on. Alright, so I'm going to go next because I love me some Regina. So, this episode was, I should say, this flashback was really interesting, really illuminating. The whole twist with Drizella was fascinating to me. Just because we have official confirmation that she, I would say we have official confirmation. But I feel like we have official confirmation that she cast the dark curse that sent them all to Hyperion 
heights. So that is awesome to know, and especially since we all thought, especially in the first few episodes, that it was Lady Tremaine, that she was going to be the big bad, and as I sort of referenced earlier in my initial reaction, I got a lot of, I don't want to say I got, but I read, that's the right word, a lot of feedback under the comments sections and that kind of thing on various recaps and whatnot, that, oh no, you know, they're just retreading, you know, it's Lady Tremaine, it's the stepmother, and it's Cinderella, the stepdaughter, and it's the same dynamic as Regina and Snow White and all this, that, or the other. And while it did appear that way, like, this whole twist, like, completely changes the the story completely. And uh, I'm going to say this now because this could be the truth. Like, I am now kind of almost feeling bad for Lady Tremaine, if that makes any sense. I feel like out of the two of them, Lady Tremaine is going to be the more sympathetic villain that potentially could have a redemptive arc. Now, I'm trying to remember clearly, Lady Tremaine is behind something happening to Ella's father, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Or was it the king of the land who's behind something that happened because she went to go kill the son right right but i think that was like a ruse wasn't it it was yeah. like they were putting it on the the prince the the, the dude at the beginning yeah okay. yeah okay. that's right yeah i'm sure that'll they, clear up in the episode we meet ella's father and we see what actually happens but regardless of like whether she was involved or not, I feel like she will, because if you think about it, Regina did a bunch of horrible things, and she still got a redemptive arc. I feel like Lady Tremaine will have a redemptive arc. I hope that Drizella gets the Cruella. Oh, Drizella Cruella. I like it. Um, I hope she gets the Cruella treatment in that, like, evil was born, and she will always be evil. Because if she plays, like, a hardcore villain... Like, that is going to be really interesting. A villain with no remorse that just wants to get what she wants, what she feels she deserves. I think that will be an interesting turn for Drizella. Um, Yeah, I don't want her to get a redemptive arc. Because I feel like they always try to redeem the villains. And it's always refreshing when we get a character like Cruella who just wants to be bad just to be bad. So yeah, we'll I have, totally agree with that. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. But I do 100% believe Lady Tremaine will get the redemptive arc. Because now I kind of sympathize a bit with her. Because if the, her treatment of Drizella is the fact that, number one, it seems like she does care more for Anastasia. But if she cares more for Anastasia because she saw darkness in Drizella, then her whole... Um, like, all of her decisions sort of make sense. Like, the reason she's trying to hold on to Anastasia is because she's the quote-unquote good daughter versus the quote-unquote evil daughter in Drizella. So, I kind of get that now, if that's the route that they're going to take. As far as Drizella, I love the whole dynamic of, uh, like, Regina being sort of rumplish and, like, trying to mentor Drizella 
and Gisela taking advantage of the whole situation and that kind of thing. That was really neat to see. I liked seeing Regina as the teacher. It's been a while since we've seen Regina trying to teach someone magic. So that was uh, kind of awesome to see, to be quite honest. Now the tower... My theory is that Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel. That's how dun, she knows dun, Mother Gothel. I know. <laughs> That's how she knows Mother Gothel, because the witch is Mother Gothel. And uh, that would explain their connection. That would explain sort of her slightly antagonistic relationship with Mother Gothel in Hyperion Heights. I mean, she's got. Her, or at least she had her chained up. So, I'm going to go that route. I know that we discussed a theory a few episodes ago that maybe the witch is Rapunzel. I don't know if it's going to go that route. I, I kind of feel like if they're going to do something that's kind of like, you know, Red Riding Hood was also the wolf, I think they're going to do Lady Tremaine being Rapunzel. And I'm since I'm talking about Rapunzel, I think Wishhook and Rapunzel fell in love and they have a baby together. I which, agree. Yeah, which could be Anastasia. It could be Tilly. I don't feel like it would be Tilly, though, just because of everything we've seen in Hyperion Heights with Tilly and uh, Lady T. So maybe it's Anastasia. And all of our sort of theories about Tilly being... Wishhook's daughter is sort of for not. But anyway, so that's a whole other conversation for another moment in time. But getting back to the flashback, um, the reason why I think Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel is because A, the tower, B, it looked like Drizella knew sort of what she was looking for, or at least she knew exactly where to go. Like, how did she know about the tower? Why did she know that there would be sort of like magical artifacts there? That whole type of thing. That whole scenario was very suspicious to me because she was looking for something like right before Regina showed up and she started to get attacked by whatever. Like it looked like she was looking specifically for something. And so how would she know that that place existed if uh, maybe her mother hadn't like told her about like what happened to her and that she was imprisoned by a witch and of course she would probably think oh a witch you know some magical stuff is there i read some weird theory online where they said that maybe mother gothel was also rapunzel's mother Hmm. that'd be cool yeah, how about that i could see that yeah i don't know if i would fully yeah. buy that but that would be kind of interesting because then you'd get sort of like a whole cora dynamic with mother gothel and lady tremaine would be sort of regina ish um and uh as opposed to regina like sort of embracing the magic lady tremaine would become sort of like against the magic and only using the magic if, if she uh needed it or something like that so Anywho, but um, mm. the final scene, like, that surprised me. I really did not expect Drizella to kill Gregor and uh, using that kill to, like, darken her pure heart. That was hardcore. That was ruthless. That was amazeballs. And just, I mean, it was just 
fantastic and it made perfect sense and uh, she could have killed Regina or she could have tried to kill Regina or even Lady T at that moment but of course she wants to make you know these people suffer and uh, the um, the fact that she listened to everything Regina said and she remembered the, the dark curse and you know getting that final quote-unquote tip from Regina like I know Regina was sort of like saying that like ha 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 we're gonna defeat you but she like used those words against her and she's like basically like na 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 like now I know how things get defeated so I'm going to make sure you are not successful I thought that was really interesting as well and I'm curious to see where this storyline continues on from there like once Drizella poofed away in her purple smoke, will Regina and Lady T have to team up? That's going to be an interesting dynamic, to be quite honest. And I'm very, very intrigued to see where that goes. Yeah. Heather, what about you? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm jumping all over that bandwagon that Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel. That's an awesome theory. I know, wouldn't it be cool? That would be, but also because you made such a good point, because I noticed this whenever um, at the scene where the tower is, when Drizilla was just wandering around picking up different items, I'm like, what are you doing, child? You do not just open up boxes looking for magic. That's, that's how you get eaten by a gigantic plant. Not smart. But um, I, I, I really enjoyed Drizella in this episode. Um, she was, because I started off the season like, you know, I think I, she's going to be my character for this season. And through this episode, I was up and down with her a little bit because I was like, well, that took a turn. But I really kind of want to know why her mother was so insistent upon suppressing her magic. And I'm kind of wondering if maybe that had, there was some kind of magical incident and that's what happened to Anastasia, maybe. Oh, or, that would be interesting. Because it just doesn't make sense if she's well, just... Well, no, because oh. um, I'm trying to remember now. If I'm not mistaken, Lady Tremaine blames Cinderella for ha what happened to Anastasia? Am I correct? Yeah, she does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, yeah. It, maybe she thinks Cinderella was involved in it, but maybe it really was Drizella. Or maybe it's like one of those situations where, you know, because, you know, Cinderella is the stepdaughter. Like, she doesn't, she, she, um, she's blaming her. Like, she's blaming the wrong person for the whole situation, you know? Yeah. That could be it. I don't know. I just, that's just such a weird thing. Oh, yes, my mother forced me to suppress my magic for all these years. Maybe she Why? also saw the evil in her. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I feel like, um, Gisella wasn't necessarily evil prior to this because she was just really uh torn up by the fact that her mother would actually kill her to bring back her sister so i don't know i don't know if i buy into the whole she saw that she was evil kind of thing uh, maybe it's just because i don't want i mean i'm cool with lady tremaine having a redemptive arc and i figure that she will be and i'm cool with them not doing that for gisella but i don't know i feel like that was really a turning point for Drizella that kind of shoved her off the edge to realize, yeah, my mom really would do that to me just because she didn't like me as well as she liked my sister. 
I, it kind of broke my heart a little bit, and I was kind of like, okay, Gisela, come on back, come on back. And then she, I thought she was going to poison Regina, and I was like, never mind. So, but I really liked um, her, the relationship that they showed between her and Regina, and the way they kind of juxtaposed that against Rumple and Regina's relationship from the past series, because, you know, you had Regina, who did not want to use magic, Whenever she was, a, whenever she was growing up, and Cora kind of forced her and was trying to cultivate that within her, and then she found Rumple, and he just kind of laid the path out for her, being sneaky and all. And then you've got Gisela, who is pr- kind of the exact opposite. She was born with magic, but her mother didn't want her to use it. So I really like the the juxtaposition between the two, especially since you know Regina had you know less than ideal uh, person teaching her magic, whereas. Mm-hmm. Gisela has somebody who actually could help her and, you know, has good intentions, and they both end up at kind of the exact same place, where I would, I want to cast the evil curse. It's going to be fantastic, for whatever reasons. Um, uh, and then, I really liked seeing Rumple and Regina back together, having an actual good moment between two people who should have been friends a long time ago and are actually friends now. And, um... I want to fast forward to the part where Drizella kills uh, the prince because that was, I wasn't expecting it and that really threw me for a loop and I also really liked it though because it turns that whole, you know, the prince has to go and save the damsel in distress on his white horse, it completely and totally turned it on his head because that's the picture that you get when she walks in with the prince, you know, oh he's going to fight for her honor and save her and all this. No, she brought him there to kill him. So her mom couldn't marry him off to her, her, her off to him. And I liked that. That was so cool. And I was like, you know what? She may be evil, but I, I'm going to be behind her on this season. I really like Drizella. And um, she's played so well because it's been a long time since I've had a villain where I'm just, it's, it's been since Corella since I had a villain. I'm like, I am 110% behind this person, no matter what they do. So, even if I don't condone it, which I don't condone it, probably don't kill mm-hmm. your prince. Don't do that, people. Bad. But I, I really enjoyed this flashback. And then the scene between Henry and Regina was just magical. In the magical forest. It was beautiful. Yeah. The reason why I think she... Uh might be sort of like born evil or, or you know at least she developed the evilness at a, at a young age is because usually when they do like the previously on like those clips usually have to like deal with the actual episode and they showed that clip again of Drizella and Henry and Henry's like oh no you know you're not like her you know you're a good person she's like oh you don't know anything about me and I'm like, well, maybe they're trying to, like, show us that she had this sort of, like, evilness in her, this darkness in her. Maybe. That's I don't fair. know. That's fair. I don't get the... I, I, have to, I usually have to watch it the day after, and I don't get the previously on clips. I don't know why my service cuts it, so that's a good point. Well, there you go. And you go. I didn't reference this, but I did like the Rumple Regina stuff just because... Like, she got the chance to sort of, like, see that a time, like, move differently where Rumple was. And, uh, like, 
she was shocked yet very proud that he's like ready to give up the darkness which i thought that was really like mm-hmm. nice i thought that was a great moment of character growth for rumple in that um, scene it was beautifully done by uh, both uh, lana and uh, robert yeah it was awesome and um before i hand it over to katie something that i wanted to mention because i just think this is an interesting concept so at least in this episode it looked like regina was sort of like the rumple figure for drizella i think Mm -hmm. that drizella might have a couple of different rumple figures in her story because I think the witch is going to be a rumpleish type of figure for her as well. You know, someone that's going to teach her more about magic. And there's a part of me that believes this just because it will tie in, like, this universe together. Like, over on... I don't want to say over on because it, it's, <laughs> it's the same series. But you know what I'm saying? Like, in season one through six, it was, like, the whole idea of, like, Snow White and uh, Rumpelstiltskin, and uh, in that book, it was a very Snow White-centric book. In this book, the storyline really seems to be Cinderella and Princess Tiana-centric. So at some point, I feel like the villains have to collide and team up. So I think someone in Drizella's back pocket is going to be Dr. Facilier. I feel like he has to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Whether Mother Gothel is the rumple to Drizella or Dr. Facilier being the rumple to Drizella or maybe even, you know, the three of them together. I feel like he has to come into the picture just because, I mean, not only is Mickey Cox, a.k.a. Tiana slash Sabine, a series regular, but that storyline seems to be really, like... um, like interwoven with uh, the um, the Ella storyline, so it would make sense if he is sort of like brought in as a bigger villain. Because in the previous episode, we learned that he was like part in this world, part in the other world. It seemed like as if he was stuck in between the uh, mortal realm and uh, the underworld or whatever they consider to be the underworld in the magical forest he kept on referencing his friends on the other side as dr facilier does and now he's free from being stuck between both worlds so it would make sense that he's a bit more powerful and he is gonna seek revenge on tiana so what better way to seek revenge than you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend or something like that That'd be cool. There are so many villains in this season. It's crazy. Yeah, there there are. I think they learned their lesson from like having Regina and Rumple <laughs> be like every villain from yeah. like every story. So, all right, Katie, what about you? Okay. Well, I agree with what most. Well, what all of you have been saying. Just most of um, us. What? Just most of us. Just well. All of you, okay. I'll I'll change that to all. Of I you. won't. I won't <laughs> tell Jenna. Okay. <gasps> shh, shh. Uh, so <laughs> just kidding. Um, I really like these flashbacks. I think these were some of my favorite parts of this entire episode. Um, 
mainly because we got to see some cool things with Regina, um, specifically pointing out um, her scenes with Henry. Um, I love that we got a human emo- more of a human emotion out of the situation um, with dealing with her realizing that Henry's grown up and he doesn't need her anymore. That's kind of a real emotion that a lot of mothers go through when their children are older and move out or don't seem like they need them anymore for every little thing. Um, so that was kind of cool to see played out on screen in a very real way. And I think it was Jenna who mentioned this, but um, to see the evolution of Regina and Henry's characters throughout the season, um, throughout the seasons, uh, specifically relating back to the first season when I really wasn't rooting for Regina and Henry. Uh, Ooh. Because... The truth they, comes out. Well, okay, because... I'm just teasing. You know what I mean. Because I'm stirring the pot. that portion in his life, you are. <laughs> because at that portion in his life, Regina didn't have the best intentions and was trying to make him think he was crazy. And, you know, she was a villain at that point. But what I love so much about that versus now is that we've seen such an evolution of their characters that Regina has redeemed herself and she and Henry have a really good relationship and uh, they truly love each other as a mother and son and um, it's just it's really it's really cool to see played out I love how we have you know a big focus of the show is focused on romantic love but we also get to see motherly Love. We get to see children who love their parents. Um, specifically, it's very strongly displayed with Regina and Henry. So I really appreciated that. And then just to skip to the end scene with her and Henry where he says that he'll never stop needing her was very, very important. And I really liked that scene. Um, so kind of dealing with a little different side of the flashback where we see Regina teaching Ivy, or Drizella, I should say, teaching Drizella um, magic. That was very interesting to me. Um, it was also interesting to find out that Drizella was actually born with magic. Um, because what we know of Lady Tremaine is that she prefers to not she prefers to not use magic. Um, she prefers to work with fear and such like that. So to see that her daughter was born with magic um, and wants to use it, was a very interesting thing to explore. Um, I actually didn't see that plot twist coming, so that was pretty cool. Um, but it, it was kind of cool to see the evolution of Drizella and Regina through this through um, this flashback versus the evolution we saw of Regina and Henry. Regina and Henry turned out where she was, you know, a little sad um that she felt like he didn't need her anymore and it ended on a happy note this relationship specifically ended a little bit happier because she felt like she could truly help i or drizella and it ended on a bad note where drizella turns on her so that was kind of cool to see the contrast of those two relationships um i definitely really appreciated kind of the parallels we see of where Rumpel was kind of teaching Regina magic and where Regina was teaching Emma magic, she's now teaching Drizella magic and she wants her to use it for good and she gives her advice 
Um, but Drizella takes that advice, twists it, and tries to use it for her own good, I guess you could say. Um, it was it was just very interesting, specifically in that last scene with um, with Lady Tremaine and Drizella and um, Regina. Yes, and Regina. I really like that scene. Um, because we see just how evil Drizella is. I never expected this out of her character because, you know, she was always described as someone who was in her mother's, um, in her mother's shadow. Her mother was always described as who was going to be the big kind of, I mean, maybe they never came out and said it, but they led us to believe that Lady Tremaine was going to be the big bad. But we get a taste that Drizella is actually going to be the big bad. And that was so shocking for us as an audience. That is such a great plot twist because I feel like no one really saw it coming. So to have this be cultivated and to see her um, take Regina's advice so that she, not really advice, but she takes it and she twists it and she uses what Regina failed at with the dark curse to make her dark curse stronger or to make what she's going to do stronger. So that was so interesting to me is that we finally have a villain who's learning from other villains mistakes and she's going to become stronger from it. So that was just really cool to me. I, it was such an interesting flashback. We got so many different relationships, um, so many different really neat scenes and plot twists. So it was a, it was a really fun journey. Yeah, and it gives a new meaning to that scene in uh, the season premiere, I believe. Yeah, in the season premiere, where Lady Tremaine basically tells Drizella that fear is better than magic. So now mm-hmm. knowing that Drizella is born with magic, that gives that it gives that scene like a brand new meaning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's very interesting. It's very very fascinating i love what they did and uh, you know shout out to the haters that were complaining bigly about how the season started the season took a turn for the interesting so let's get into present day hyperion heights and uh, hmm where should we start off first i guess let's do the shorter storyline of the episode all right, so Henry learns that Ivy posted some images of uh, their uh, Halloween night, uh, you know, drinky drinks on, uh, I forget what it was called, and I paused it and I read the, the thing. It's called, it's not Instagram, but it's something. It's like you picture it or something like that, or picture. Oh, I don't even. I didn't even catch that. It was like a cute little name. It's it's original, but I can't remember what Aww. it's called. I remember pausing it and reading it, though, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Oh, dang it. Yeah, it's like picture yourself or something. I don't know. It's, it's a cute little fake Instagram. And so he's really worried about what Jacinda might think because Jacinda's all over social media. A fun fact, Ronnie is not on social media. Just if you're curious. And so uh, Ronnie ends up like nudging uh, 
Henry, though, to, like, you know, go and, uh, you know, flirt with and ask uh, Jacinda out. And so after eating at Bella Notes, some pizza, shout out to Bella Note. I loved the Lady in the Tramp uh, shout out. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention this last yes. week. We did not discuss this last week, but the um, the strip club was called the Pleasure Island Cabaret or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. the owner of the Pleasure Island Cabaret was Mr. Coachman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the Coachman right. is the villain mm-hmm. at, at Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. And um, yeah. also, uh, what's his name? Um, Rogers ended up saying something like, well, you know, it's it's no surprise that they turn into a bunch of jackasses. So, like, they had yeah. this whole yes. Pinocchio thing. Yes. And I feel like they've been they've been doing that a lot this season. With they like have subtle, been. And not so subtle, but cool, fun references. Ralph Reckitt last yeah, week. Yeah, like, Disney movies yes. that they obviously can't bring the characters into the show. So, they do it in a different way. So, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I, I believe Henry also referenced the dogs in the alley of Bella Notte, which is fantastic. Anyway, mm-hmm. so after getting yeah. some pizza at Bella Notte, uh, they end up sort of like heading into the direction where Jacinda is fixing the food truck. And so, with a, another little nudge... Uh, Ronnie sends Henry over to Jacinda, and after doing his best, um, what is that reference from? I don't know John Hughes movies related. Say, say anything? anything? It's from Say Anything. Okay, that's a John Cusack movie. No, about yes. Matthew Broderick. John Cusack or Matthew Broderick? John Cusack, where he holds the, the, the holds up the stereo. Yeah. The okay, yes. the boombox or whatever, and so he does his best John Hughes impression, and it starts to charm Jacinda, even though she's a little upset because she's like, "What were you doing with Ivy?" and this out of the other, and so uh, you know, Henry and and Jacinda end up sort of like chatting uh, about their likes and whatnot, and. Um, he convinces Jacinda to forgive him, and he asks her out on a date. And uh, even though she was like, you know, I don't know if I have time, but he's like, I have all the time in the world. You know, whenever you're ready, you know, we can go out on a date. And so she's like, well, what about right now? And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, you know, help me out with um, the food truck and she's like you know you said you're good uh, with fixing cars and so they end up uh fixing the food truck together which kind of mirrors the scene in uh, the magical forest where uh, henry is teaching ella how to fix the motorcycle so focusing on jacinda and henry and it's sort of like ronnie nudging them along what did you think of this smaller storyline compared to the other ones uh we'll start off with katie i really liked it i'm such a huge fan of jacinda and henry and even though this didn't take up a big portion of the episode i remember reading the filming news spoilers for the scene where henry's holding up the boom box um in front of the food truck and i was really excited for that scene to play out and it did not disappoint when it translated over to screen because i really like that scene um i like how jacinda kind of not gave in, but she's giving him a chance again. And um, it was it was really cute. I mean, 
I don't mean, I just don't even know. I really like them. There's just a cute scene, and I love how Ronnie is very encouraging of their relationship and was very protective of Henry and not wanting him to um, be involved with Ivy in that way or be seen being involved in Ivy and that perceived being involved with Ivy in that sort of sense. So I like how she kind of encourages him to um, pursue Jacinda. So it was a cute scene and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of them. Heather? Um, I really, first off, anytime Say Anything is my favorite John Hughes movie. So anytime there's that kind of reference, I'm automatically going to like that relationship a little bit better. Nice. I will um, have to watch it in your honor, you Heather. You do. It's so good. Um, it's so dorky, but it's so good. Um, I like how Regina and Hen- or Ronnie and Henry have this kind of weird... It's it's like a it's it's like a mother son relationship, but it's also kind of like a big brother or little brother big sister at the moment relationship. How she's kind of like you don't need to date that other chick, but look here, this is the one you need to be with. So I really enjoyed that and the little scenes that they had back and forth, uh, where she's really looking out for him, and the scene where they're at the food truck was just precious. Henry was a total dork, and I loved it so much. Like. Ever he finally got Jacinda to agree with it, to go on a date with him or to give him a shot even. And she turns around and he's standing back there like fist bumping in the air. And I'm like, okay, I like that. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually very excited to see what they do with their relationship going forward. Jenna? Well, I really, really like Henry and Jacinda. I actually haven't seen any John Hughes movies, including Say Anything, but I do I do uh, recognize the whole guy is holding the boombox thing, and it's just a really adorable romantic trope. And I like how this is kind of more of a modern romance where it's like their date, their like thing where socializing is them is them repairing a truck together, and it's just... That kind of moment helps build their relationship to be that much stronger. Um, I like how open and honest and vulnerable Henry allowed himself to be when he was uh, talking to Jacinda about his uh, rendezvous with Ivy. And yeah, that was just, it's just really cute. I like this couple a lot. This episode, I really, really liked them in. I, I mean, just as much as I liked them in the season premiere, so I... Yeah, it made me excited to see where it goes, and it makes the tragedy the end of the episode that much more tragic. I think they're cute. I like them. I think they have really nice chemistry. I'm really loving Henry and Jacinda and seeing their love blossom, not just in the Magical Forest, but now in Hyperion Heights. I just thought it was adorable. And uh, Ronnie being mama bear and then sort of like getting called out for it and then sort of like joking about it i mean it was just it was fantastic and uh utterly adorable and um, it was just a a really nice sweet storyline in an episode that was like filled with uh, a lot of really twisty turny storylines so moving into the other 
teeny tiny storyline of the episode. We see Weaver checking out of the hospital. He's uh, very annoyed by the fact that he's going to have a desk job while he recovers. He said he's going to talk to the chief about the whole situation. And so, um... Hmm? They call him the... The the police chief is called the captain. The captain, there you go. And, uh... He, like, sort of, like, um... Sticks his nose up at the uh, wheelchair that was brought for him. So, uh, Rogers and Tilly are there. And, uh, Rogers basically asks Tilly, you know, how does Weaver like get information out of you like you know how does your relationship work and she explains that weaver buys her food basically and so he starts like questioning her about eloise gardner they head on over to uh, where she lives the um i guess the box car the, the train crate or whatever the hell you call that thing where she lives and uh, they're playing chess and uh she explains, you know, like, if you have all this information, like, maybe you need to look at it from a different angle. You know, you might have something in the information that you currently have that can help you get some more answers. And so Rogers ends up going over all of the evidence that he has. Uh, by the way, if you're w- were wondering where he's keeping all this evidence, it's at to Ronnie's because Ronnie has I believe she said she had a baseball bat or something like she can you know no one messes with her and so he ends up realizing that he has the address to where the suspect from last week that uh, gave him information about the tattoo because he has the tattoo as well and so he goes to that address but um the address is uh, kind of a dead end, but um, bum, because the man's dead, and oh, no. so, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Katie liked it. Was it was a good one. It was a good. Oh well, one. Heather wow. liked it too. <laughs> so yeah, so the guy with um, the not so dragon-looking tattoo is dead, and that's all we got. So, Eloise Gardner, Tilly. Rogers and Weaver. Let's break it down, Heather. So I, I really think that I'm confused by this because I still I really think that Tilly is the girl that he's searching for because just because of the way that they're playing the relationship between Rogers and Tilly, like they're really building it up and they've got the chessboard set out and they they keep exchanging the chess pieces. I don't yes. really feel. I feel like it's got to be Tilly that he's looking for, but how would Tilly be able to see the diary and then not remember? Exactly. That's the whole that thing works. because like our running theory so far, although I'm I'm starting mm-hmm. to not really buy the theory. Our right. running theory is that Wishhook's daughter is Alice, aka Tilly. But that doesn't correlate with the fact that he's searching for this missing girl because he was searching mm-hmm. for a missing girl in uh, the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't the girl that he's searching for be his daughter? Yet Tilly obviously is not um, 
recognizing the name Eloise Gardner. She's not recognizing the whole situation. She's not recognizing the diary, the tattoo, etc., etc., etc. Well, it wasn't tattooed. The rune, as they're calling it. They're, she's not recognizing anything. Mm-hmm. And even though they do play chess and that whole thing, I feel... I now feel like it's a huge red herring and it just, it no longer makes any sense. And I did mention though, that I felt like maybe Anastasia might be the daughter. So maybe Anastasia is Eloise Gardner. Right. But what if Anastasia is Eloise Gardner and that's the one he's looking for in Hyperion Heights. Exactly. But Tilly is his daughter still. Oh, okay. The chessboard thing was so blatantly out there. That has to mean something. But I feel like... And I can't tell which is the red herring. Yeah, and like the weird thing, like last week I was so set on this guy, the person that he called was Lady Tremaine. What if he called Gisela? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Or what if it's the the doctor? I can't say his name. Oh, Facilier. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, because uh, uh, in the previous episode, uh, when um, Sabine was ready to move out, she mentioned that she was going to move in with her mother. So then Eudora is somewhere in Hyperion Heights, or maybe she's one of the characters that already has moved out of Hyperion Heights. So if Eudora is there, maybe Dr. Facilier is uh, lurking in the shadows. Katie, you were going to say something about the whole Tilly situation. It sounded like. No, I was just saying, ooh. Oh, okay. Well, ooh. Uh, Heather, continue on. Um, That was really my big takeaway from this because I'm so confused. I like, I love it. I'm glad I'm confused by it because I'm so, it's so refreshing to have a plot line that I have no idea where it's going. But I don't know. I'm, it threw me for so many loops whenever she didn't really recognize the diary I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah. Happily confused. I feel like one of us has said it at some point. Like, something that we said is what it's going to be. I'm just wondering now, like, what it is. Because my heart of hearts really isn't, at this moment, believing that Tilly is the daughter. But, um, Jenna, what about you? What did you think of Weaver... Rogers, Tilly, Eloise Gardner, the man with the rune tattoo. Okay, well, I, first off, I'm actually still very much in team Alice's Wishhook's daughter, but I'm also of the mind that Eloise Gardner is not his daughter, and while they definitely built, though they kind of like alluded to the possibility of, of Eloise Gardner being the missing daughter case, I think that is secretly the red herring. Like, they're uh, Okay. Case. But with the promise that, oh no, Eloise Gardner is a different is a different person altogether, and and maybe she is Eloise Gardner is Anastasia, um, and Alice is his daughter. That's what that's what I still think. Um, but and honestly, just the chemistry between uh, between Rogers and Tilly is a lot of the reason why I like how um, I. I, I love how I love seeing Rogers like still kind of grumpy looking, but still like indulging Tilly in her silliness and wheeling her in the wheelchair. Like 
you've seen we've seen from the hook of the previous seasons that he's very that he doesn't always play into silliness for the most part. Like um, in the ball and Camelot, he was like, okay, do we really need to have a ball? There's kind of a dark oneness in Emma. Like some and until like somebody who that he loves like says, oh, let's do it. He, he's not he's not really interested in the silliness. So for him to give him the silliness, he has to feel a connection to that girl. Especially, especially like he feels this connection to her because she's uh, considering she's also the one who shot his partner. And while he's and while he accepts, okay, you definitely got under his skin. There's something special about you. Like they have this unique connection. And then there's the chess piece that's just putting it. That's just adding the icing on the cake. So I really want that to be true. Um, I like how Tilly isn't ha- is giving him inspiration to look at the case from a different angle, and the dead end it definitely adds a layer of drama to this whole case and all the other things that are in this house. But I wonder, like, considering that address was just there, I mean, is that just a really obscure piece of evidence, or I feel like if there was an address somewhere on my evidence I would like go to it at some point? That was just a little weird for me, but still, I. I like that section. Weaver was amazingly sassy with his whole, I'm going to talk down the captain, a desk job, you've got to be kidding me. And then he kicks the wheelchair. That's, that's, that's so badass. I love it. But yeah, I am still very much in team. Alice's wish hooked daughter camp and the red herring is totally Eloise Gardner's. I, Eloise Gardner's mere, like that case is mere existence. That's interesting. It'd be funny if uh, Alice turns out to be Hook's love interest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. I should say Wish Hook, because uh, I want to get it right. And uh, I don't know, Jenna, if you could fully use, like, I'll call them Hook Primes. Um, you know, his feeling of stuff to describe uh, Wish Hook, though, because they are allegedly different characters that took on different paths. But I did like the correlation, but I don't know if, if that'll fully make sense. I guess we have to get a little bit more of his backstory and see, you know, how it diverges from uh, Hook Prime and to see if his reactions are different than Hook Prime's. See, I disagree on the thing that there's, like, a core personality to a person that doesn't change. Like, Hook has these qualities that don't change, like, from that are always going to be in him, like, between Hook Prime and Deckhand Hook from the Heroes and Villains alternate universe, there was that level of bravery, there's that, there's kind of like a little bit of a, of a snark to him, no matter what, so I kind of always think that, 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 that lack of nonsense, like, that, that, that disdain for nonsense kind of is one of those traits that holds over no matter what. Okay, I can dig it. Katie, what about you? <laughs> okay, uh, I really don't have much else to add except that I really liked this. I I really like the scenes with Tilly and um, Wishhook, or sorry, Rogers specifically, and um, I don't know. I really liked just the scene where um, he's wheeling her on the wheelchair and he kind of swings her around and she's laughing and. Um, then we see them in the box car and all that. That was kind of fun. Um, I really don't have anything else to add except that I really like the relationship and I'm excited to see where it goes, whether it's um, 
whether it is the big red herring and she's not his daughter or um, she does end up being his daughter. I mean, I, I feel like either way is going to have good payouts. Um, just because even if it is a red herring and she's not his daughter, they still have a cool little fun relationship. So I'm, I just want to get more hints and find out who the heck his daughter is. If it is Eloise Gardner or if it's someone else entirely. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I'm excited. Katie, you don't have a theory? Like a, I don't, a strong one? I honestly... No, I do not. Isn't that terrible? I don't have any theories this season because I'm just so taken back by all the plot twists that I don't have any theories. Alright. Well, we have enough, I guess, maybe. You do. You can agree so with all of ours. Off of yours. Mm-hmm. Just, just agree with all of yours. us. Yes. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> exactly. They're all true. So, uh, I feel like I gave my opinion on it. Um, uh, just to add, uh, I guess, uh, I... I don't know. Uh, I just... I don't know. I do like the idea that... Maybe the Eloise Gardner thing is a red herring. But now that I'm thinking about it, Eloise Gardner, if she's Anastasia, why... Well, no, it would be Belfry, Belfry Towers. So why wouldn't she be, like, have the last... I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm talking myself into dead ends. So I don't know what's going to happen. I still feel like Alice is not going to be the daughter. But if she is, I'm fine with it. I guess, uh, you know couple episodes ago I was all for it so maybe something in the next episode might make me go back to that idea but as of right now I feel like that could be red herring territory but I don't know maybe it's the right territory I guess we will have to wait and see so let's get into the larger storyline from Hyperion Heights all right so Henry and Ronnie are, like, trying to go over, like, this photo, this mysterious photo that shows Ronnie in clothing she has never worn in her life, and a young Henry with a uh, Tron lunchbox, you know, and, and they don't recognize each other, they don't know who, like... Is this Photoshop? Is Victoria Belfry doing something? Like, what is going on? Like, what's the deal? And so, uh, Lucy is all like, you know, hello, you're Henry. That's Henry. And, oh my gosh, you're Regina. That makes sense. You tried to adopt and all this, that, or the other, and blah, blah, blah. And they're not really buying it. But Lucy is, like, hell-bent on, like, you know, this is proof that, uh, you know, what I've been saying is real and she even knows how to prove it and so uh, Ronnie confesses to Henry that at one point she did try to adopt a child like way back in the day but uh, the application was not approved because of uh, her and her lifestyle and whatnot and uh, so it's still you know in a fresh wound that she has and so when um, she drops Henry off to uh, you know, romance Jacinda, she heads on over and finds Lucy, and Lucy has snuck back into uh, Jacinda's apartment. 
and she's opening a closet, hoping that a Once Upon a Time storybook appeared, just like, you know, it happened with Henry in Snow White's closet, so that people can, you know, touch on the book, and it triggers the memories, and that whole kind of thing. But, uh, the uh, book does not appear, but uh, she did promise Henry, or Henry and, and Ronnie ended up talking, like, maybe we should you know, go along with this whole thing so that as reality kind of sinks in, Lucy can realize what she's saying isn't true. Another sort of like parallel to something that happened in season one of Once Upon a Time. And so to continue on, you know, with this whole thing of like trying to prove that this isn't true, Ronnie heads on over to Weaver and asks him for a favor. She's there with Lucy, and she asks him to look into the adoption of a child in Boston. The child named Henry, the woman being Regina Mills. And to see if there's any sort of paperwork out there that has to deal with it. So later on, oh, she also mentioned that she will owe uh, Weaver a favor. Later on, Weaver does come through and gives Ronnie the papers, and Ronnie, as she's inspecting the papers, she, uh, you know, sees the Regina Mills signature, she tries to do it, and it matches her handwriting. So, elsewhere in town, Ivy and the witch have been chatting and utilizing one of the... I forget the name of that flower. I feel like we learned the name of it. The flower that grew... It's like Jacinda's flower. It's a hyacinth? Uh, Is it hyacinth? Yep. Yes. Oh, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, that sounds right. So, uh, the hyacinth... Uh, she ends up... Um, Ivy ends up bringing the hyacinth that was in uh, Victoria's office to the witch and uh after ivy sort of acquired some fresh uh what was it like sacred ground um so she ends up going to the uh community garden and grabs some soil from there and uh she puts it on the ground and the witch ends up growing a plant from that and uh Ivy, you know, plucks a, um, it looked like, uh, like a thorn or something from this plant and, um, extracts this liquid from it and she puts it in a little container and, uh, the witch warns her that this is very powerful stuff, like, you need to be careful, but Ivy uh, looks like she knows what she's doing. So she visits Ronnie, and uh, they start talking about the photo and the adoption, and she basically says, you know, I needed you to go on this journey. She's saying this while she's pouring a drink, and uh, Ivy slips the potion into Ronnie's drink, and when Ronnie drinks it, she uh, realizes that she's been drugged, or at least she thinks she's been drugged, but all of her memories of her life as Regina returns to her and she's not happy to see Drizella. And so uh, Drizella 
you know, is basically like, you know, I cast the Dark Curse, this, that, or the other, and, uh, you know, and so Regina's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to gather all the troops, basically. We're going to take you down, we will break this curse, true love's kiss, whatever, whatever. And Drizella's like, you know, I know you're still a little foggy from your nap, but think, 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 think. And you see a look of terror wash over Regina's face. And uh, Ivy's basically, or I should say Drizella is basically like, you know that you can't break this curse because if you break this curse, bad things are going to happen to the people you love. She also references that there's no way in hell that she's going to allow her to break this curse because she's very close to achieving whatever she's trying to do with Lady Tremaine. And so Gisela uh, is basically like, I know you're not going to tell Henry. I know you're not going to tell anybody. And, uh, you know, you're going to allow me to do what I need to do and you're going to make sure that true love's kiss never happens because remember you are the evil queen and you know a thing or two about breaking hearts and so later on Henry ends up running into Ronnie a newly awakened Regina and uh, obviously she doesn't tell him anything about uh, the adoption and the paperwork or that uh, you know she knows who he is and so they end up talking a little bit, and, and uh, she ends up telling Henry, like, maybe you should tell Jacinda a little bit more about yourself. And he's like, yeah, well, I was born in jail, and, uh, you know, I was in the foster system. Uh, and uh, that's when uh, Redina realizes that, at least under the curse, you know, he shares like the story of, of like what Emma went through and she even references it but uh, she's like you know oh I read your book it was really good and this out of the other and uh, so uh, Regina and Henry are there together on the bench and uh, Regina can't say anything about all that she knows now and this is where we end the episode so let's discuss Ronnie, Ivy, the witch, Henry. Let's break it all down. Katie? Okay, wow. Well, there's a lot that happened. Um, first of all, since I wasn't here to really talk about it, uh, I just want to say that I loved the twist that the witch... No, and Ivy are really working together, mm -hmm. and Ivy knows about the witch and all that. That was such a huge plot twist that I did not see coming, and it was kind of fun to really delve a little bit more into that in this episode. Um, I'm just so curious about this specific thread of the plot, um, of the plot of the season. I want to get more <laughs> info on the witch and I, I think we're going to be getting that this upcoming week but um, it's going to be interesting for sure um, wait but... I just thought of something what if the witch yeah. is Eloise Gardner <gasps> ooh Cause she's missed I mean like she's locked up so but and he Garden mentioned Gardner that... she was like making 
Yeah. Oh, crud. Like plant magic. Maybe there's yeah. an agent thing. Yeah, because Mother Gothel, like, with the flowers and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. so Gardner. Yeah. So that would kind of make sense. But, <gasps> well, I don't know the age of the actress, but he referenced that it was 10 years ago and that she was a, a kid, Yeah, right? true. That's yeah. the only thing that would be kind of wonky-ish. Yeah, but angsty teenage poetry, also an aging spell. Oh, well, there you go, angsty teenage poetry. Mm. So, yeah, I guess, you know, even if she was, like, 16, 17... Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. But that's just an idea that popped into my head. Continue on, Katie. Interesting. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> um, but I can't remember where I was. But I'll just say that uh, I'm really excited to learn more and see what's going to happen. Specifically with the witch in Hyperion Heights and what's going to happen with that thread. Um, but I really liked the scene where Ivy wakes Ronnie up from the curse. I don't think I expected her to wake up from the curse so soon, actually. I really didn't, and I'm kind of glad they did, because the way that they did it, it's going to make things very, very interesting for the next couple episodes to see where it's going to go. There's obviously something that she put into this curse that makes it hero-proof, where Ronnie can't, she can't wake them up. She can't let Jacinda and Henry get together because if they um, use True Love's kiss, that's going to wake them up and something horrible is going to happen. And it's just so fascinating to me because this is kind of like, I don't know. It's just, they've really toyed around with, um, the curse and what casting of the curse is and what the breaking of the curse is throughout various threads of the show so far. And this is even yet another different take on it, which is interesting. And the fact that we have this thread out there that we really don't know what it means. Like, what does it mean? What's going to happen if they, um, if they do break the curse? Like, as it is right now, what would happen? What's the terrible thing that's going to happen? Um, so it's just, it's very fascinating. And I really like what they're doing with it. And that scene with Ivy and Ronnie in the bar where she wakes her up was so well played by both actresses, specifically, you know, when Regina goes to um, force choke her, <laughs> sort of, with um, her magic. Oh, yes, yeah, use the work. force. Yeah. I see the force, Regina, um, and it doesn't work. And then we see Regina's crying. Oh, it broke my heart. It was so, so well acted by both of the actresses. And um, I'll highlight the last scene um, that we saw with uh, Ronnie or Regina, if we want to call her that now, um, with Henry on the um, on the bench. That was such a good scene it reminded me of the flashback scene where um regina and henry are talking and henry says that he'll always need his mom and so we kind of get a different take on that in the hyperion heights where he's still under the curse and he you know is talking about how much he appreciates ronnie and how alone he you know he felt 
and that's why he created the book because it emphasizes you know who he is you know he made made these characters modeled after him and what he'd always wanted um so it's just it was very well done and to see to know what regina is going through knowing that she can't say anything to him oh it's heartbreaking and it's just going to be fascinating to see what she does in the next few episodes um so that she can figure out a plan like what what can she do is there another way that they can break the curse is there another way to make it so that the heroes win so it's very fascinating very fascinating and i'm i'm really enthralled with what they're doing with this season and how they're approaching it and it just it feels so different than what we've had for the past six seasons and it's very refreshing so i i give major kudos to the to the writers because they really did reboot the series in a, in a good way and gave new content for our actors and actresses to work with. So um, I really do applaud them for that. I like it. I will be asking everyone for their theories on what uh, Drizella did to the curse uh, once we sort of <laughs> get everyone's opinions on the storyline as a whole because I feel like that's going to just lead into... A really interesting conversation i think maybe possibly i guess stay tuned uh, jenna what about you what did you think of uh this storyline the whole ronnie regina ivy Gisela, the witch slash the witch of uh, you know <laughs> henry slash henry the whole thing well i think that this was pretty top-notch um first i kind of want to um uh now you know what i'm gonna just stick with going in order um, I really did like the beginning and how it kind of interweaved, how Ronnie's storyline kind of interweaves into the whole Jacinda Henry thing, and, like, also how she gets to go off and Lucy and kind of play grandmother. Um, I think we don't really, we never in Storybrooke really got to see an integration of the backstories of these, of, like, the cursed characters, but I feel like here we get a bit more of it. We get, in, and today we get in this episode, we got to saw we got to see a cursed Ronnie. What her backstory was like with not being allowed to adopt a child, and and a cursed Henry with being put into the system and being and having this very lonely life. So that's something very unique. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to touch on. It's cool to see that we fir- that we fir- finally have a curse where it's like. In the past, it's never been a threat of what's going to happen when the curse breaks in a negative sense. Like, in season one, it was like, oh, only positive things can happen when the curse breaks. And with all the curses, it's kind of been along those same lines. Only positive things. Never has it really been there's a big negative consequence to the curse breaking, where it's kind of like a, we're not sure that we want the curse to break just yet. And it's cool that we get to explore that. We get to see someone who's not the villain pushing for the curse to remain unbroken. So I think that's incredibly fresh and ex- explore something very new. Um, back to Ronnie. I liked seeing her and Lucy explore things. I think it was clever to kind of take that angle. Really clever of Lucy to sig- to like bring up that whole adopting a child and clever of Ronnie to be like, okay, that's how we're going to disprove it. And then really clever of her to go to Weaver 
Um, I'm really wa- I'm wondering what kind of favor Weaver would have for um Ronnie. Uh, so that so that has that's really mysterious. It was, and then it was clever when she when Weaver gives her the report how she compares her handwriting to it, and that's how she comes to that weird conclusion. Um, now I want to talk about Ivy and the Witch. That was it's fascinating seeing how those two are how those two are working together. They're in close cahoots. And the witch clearly wants, like, very, seems to really want Ivy to succeed. She, I mean, we still don't know anything about her motivations or who she is. The Eloise Gardner theory, I will say Jeff, is sublime. And that would be pretty cool if they somehow, if we somehow figure out a way that that's possible. Um, but yeah. So, it's interesting, it's interesting seeing just how... Ivy is taking this character who's a prisoner and is just completely using her in such a smart, intelligent way. That's really how I can best sum up this this portion of the episode. Smart, intelligent, all choices make a ton of sense and are clever and are things that one wouldn't necessarily jump to, but make a but when you do when you do think about them, they make a ton of sense. And then let's just discuss that bar scene with um, Ronnie and Drizella. The whole drugging thing is really, it's intense. It's creepy. The How um, Ivy's voice fluctuates and grows deeper all, all of the exorcism. And then the flash of memory, how it's kind of, it's beautiful and painful, all in the same thing. This is the return of Regina and at first, it feels it, it feels triumphant. It feels strong. It's scary a little bit, especially when you see Regina try and fail to take Drizella down. First with magic, and then when the emotional center of the scene hits, the the curse can't be broken because there's some big looming threat that us as an audience aren't privy to. It's like, well, it's irony. It's reverse dramatic irony. The characters know, but we don't. And it just drives that home. And you see... And then later... It, it, well, later we're seeing Regina, Ronnie, Regina kind of being the mother to Henry again. And kind of a mother protects her child. And Ronnie, Regina's going to have to protect Henry. Even if that means holding him back from those he loves. At least until she can kind of find an alternative way around things. Or even if she can't, at least give him maybe something close to happiness while they're under this curse. So, it's so this was a very emotionally powerful segment of the episode. And it was clever and beautiful and emotional and just gave me a lot of great feels. Heather, what about you? Um, so, okay, I do have a quick question before I, I jump in, because Lucy's not cursed, right? Or is she? I don't think Lucy's cursed. Yeah. She's cursed. kind no, of like Henry. Although Henry was never in the Enchanted Forest, because he was born in uh, the uh, land without magic. He, mm-hmm. um, I forget... 
how did they explain that Henry realized? Did they ever explain that? Like how Henry realized? It was just like he was reading the book and started making assumptions and being like, oh, yes, these people look kind of similar. And, oh, I'm the only one that's aging. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that was that. Was that's like, what that happened was to him. For it. Yeah, I don't know how long they've been in Hyperion Heights because of the curse. Like they could have been there just a month. But the right. curse sort of, like, makes them think that they've been there forever. So we still don't know, like, how long they've been there, per se. But it seems like either she woke up easily or as, I guess, a part of the curse. Um, like, maybe she just always knew, per se. See, that's, that's what I assumed, because in at the end of Season 6, she you know she's the one left in the magical forest and then you know you end up at hyperion heights with her knocking on the door and we don't really know how she got there but she got there but also if she remembers everything shouldn't she have known who regina was like at the start you know what that is true that is true curious to me that seemed weird that she didn't know who regina was Mm-hmm. And so now I'm now I'm I'm like, is she, was she really cursed? Is there some kind of lingering effect of her moving from the Magic Forest to Hyperion Heights? How did she get to Hyperion Heights? Maybe that's you're onto something. I think you might be right. Maybe she was cursed, and she has like awoken to like certain things. Slightly? Yeah, but she still doesn't know other things. Kind of like how Henry didn't know who Mister Gold was. Right, because he hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you are onto something. I don't know because I, I I played it around in my head and I was like, well, maybe it's because she doesn't really have a book about their stories because the only book she had was Henry's stories about you know Once Upon a Time, the original. So I don't know, but I was I questioned that at the start. Um, but yeah, that is weird. I always thought that she know. knew. Who yeah. Ronnie was. Everybody was for the most yeah. part. Or at least her family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anyway, I um that was my that was my big question for this one because I, I that left me reeling a bit. Um I really liked that she decided to sneak into back into Jacinda's apartment to go rooting through the closet trying to find the book. That to me was a really nice little nod back to the original series, and it wasn't heavy-handed. I, I really liked it. And getting to see Regina... Um, I said it somebody um, about Regina getting to be a grandmother, which is weird to say because she's not, she doesn't, she's not grandmother age, but her and Lana Priya's ability to act with children is just fantastic because you can tell that she can establish relationships with them very easily, like she did with Jared Gilmore. And now, uh, and I can't, I cannot think off the top of my head who it is that plays Lucy right now, but they they have good relationships. And I really enjoyed getting to see Regina in that light because she was actually happy for a little bit of this episode and it kind of ended on a sadder note, I guess. Um, The other big thing that I enjoyed was the fact that Ronnie went to Rumpelstiltskin to ask about the adoption that Regina Mills had him do. I was like, that's such an ironic, twisty-turny little moment there that Rumpel has an idea of just how messed up it is, whereas Regina has no clue. 
Um, I really liked that moment, and I thought it's, it's very intriguing now that it's Regina who owes Rumpelstiltskin a favor, because um, that's that's what he did with Emma back in season one, and how you know that unfolded was really cool. So I'm interested to see what he asks for her um, from Regina since he's actually kind of good now. I think he's good. Um, my other big uh, point for this one, without getting into the theories was the relationship between Ivy and the witch. And I was thinking about this while um, you guys were talking, um, and how, back to Jeff's theory that I just loved, about Mother Gothel being possibly Victoria uh, Belfry's mother, and that being a whole Rapunzel relationship. Um, That's really cool to me. But also the idea that she has... She has, I, I'm going to call it plant magic because I have no other way to explain that. But that's what she was doing was she was growing some kind of plant. And whatever it was that was in the box back at the tower scene with Drizella that attacked her was obviously some kind of creepy plant thing. And then that's what she used to kill the prince. So I'm like, you know, maybe crackpot theory, if magic is kind of uh, a genetic type thing, that would explain why Victoria Belfry did not want Gisela, uh to have magic. Because if her mother had magic and was kind of a jerk about it, there would be a little bit of, eh, there. So, I don't know. That was my crackpot theory on that. And I kind of ran with it in my mind a second ago. But I, it, it, whatever the relationship between the two of those is, those two people is, I'm very interested in what it is. What it was back in the magical forest and what it's going to grow into now. Just because... The witch terrifies me. Like she's messing, she she's gonna mess you up. Whereas Gisela's just kind of like a a nice evil, you know. She's she's obviously evil. The witch I'm not sure about. But um, other than that, I really liked um, just the relationship that you got to see at the end between Regina, like actual Regina, woke when she's awoke, woken up, and Henry when they're sitting out on the the bench outside. And her being in so much pain because she can't really talk to her son who's sitting right beside her, but she still needs to talk to him. And um, whenever she mentions that she liked his book, I loved that line because that's such a mom thing to say to your kid. Oh, sweetie, I loved that book that you wrote. It was so good. And it, it made me a little, it, it made my heart a little warm while I was also very sad at the same time. So... I'm really intrigued to see what all that we, this huge section, what it's going to turn into further on into the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this storyline was really interesting. Uh, as you mentioned, like the fact that Ronnie slash Regina now owes uh, Rumple a favor because it wasn't Weaver. It's Rumple now. And so that mm-hmm. she owes him a favor. That's going to be interesting. Just because I don't know what his motivations are at the moment. Like we saw a um, redemptive rumple. A kinder, gentler rumple in the magical forest. And in whatever that was called. The, the realm. The land at the edge of realms. Or wherever he was living with Belle. So, 
it's going to be interesting to see, like, what this curse has done to him. I hope that it, he's still sort of like the kinder, gentler Rumpel, and he's sort of like faking it because Weaver is kind of uh, gruff, for lack of a better word. The whole Ivy thing, Ivy with the witch, Ivy with uh, Ronnie, I mean, just fantastic, fantastic scene work. Adelaide Kane is awesome. That whole scene was incredibly acted by Lana Parrilla, like her waking up, realizing what's going on, realizing she can't do anything about it, you know, realizing that as Ronnie, she's been, you know, nudge-nudging Henry to Jacinda, and she can no longer do that because bad things will happen. We didn't get that much Victoria in the uh, episode, but I'm kind of wondering, did the Hyacinth, like, really give her headaches? Like, does the Hyacinth have other sort of, like, magical properties, and that was truly affecting Victoria? Because if you think about it, the Hyacinth was uh, born, it, it grew off of this, like, I guess, magical piece of land and so like does it have some sort of magicalness to it that was affecting victoria a little bit maybe I, I doubt it just because it was like a very teeny tiny plot point but that you know it, it might be something to think about maybe for the future if they decide to go that route that might be kind of interesting yeah so uh, okay let's get to it what do we think? What do we think? What did Drizella do to the curse that, uh, you know, made it so that it is not a curse that the heroes would want to break? What is going on? I've read a lot of theories online. I have my own sort of like theory-ish, I guess, myself. So I'm curious to hear what all of you have to say. And since Katie has been theory-less, she had a lot of time to think about a theory. Oh, no. So, Katie, you're going first. Do you have a theory? I don't. I don't. All I can think about is that... I don't even... I don't even know. I want to... I want to say Katie, you're breaking die, Jenna's I heart. Like that's too... I know. I'm sorry. Wait, you said Jenna's going to die if the curse is broken? No! Maybe that's a big plot twist. Ooh. My gosh, what if it's all of us? What if the <gasps> podcast dies? Um, no. Don't no. break the curse. Um, I think I'm going to resign. <laughs> You've already been marked. You're one of the marked ones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, no. Going down with his ship. It, there you go. True. That's a good point. <laughs> Katie um, just killed us all. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know. I want to... You know, the obvious answer would be, like, someone dies, but, like, I feel like that's just too nor like, you, you hate to say normal, but, like, when you think about curses and stuff, that's the, the thing, the type of situation that you would go to naturally first. So, I don't know. I don't know either. Refresh about, okay, what about the darkness? You know, the darkness, um that we saw at the end of the sixth season and you know okay. how they said that that was going to come into play in the second half of the season 
what if that's part of it? What if it's this big darkness that's going to, like, destroy everything? <laughs> if they bring okay. the curse. I don't know. We'll give you an E for effort, Katie. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, uh, maybe someone can refresh memory. But now that we know sort of like the truth of what's going on, maybe this might be sort of null and void. But I'm going to go with this as being a fact until someone says it isn't. Didn't they mention that Henry's heart is protected? Like the witch and uh, Belfry. When they were talking, oh. they were referencing about, you know, taking Henry's heart, but they can't do it because it's protected. And so that's why they need to crush um, Lucy's belief. So, oh, did yeah, they reference yeah. that it was just Henry's heart, or Henry and Jacinda's hearts are protected? Just Henry. Okay. Just Henry. Okay. Just Henry. So, was it Lucy's too? Was her heart also protected, and that's why the belief, mm -hmm. maybe? I don't know. I think Lucy's heart's up for grabs. Oh my gosh. She's just trying to kill the child. <laughs> up for grabs. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's up for grabs. Anybody can take it. <laughs> Mm. that's too much so okay so that's good to know and, and a good thing to remember all right heather do you have a theory what did drizella do i do have a theory because um it can't be henry because we saw henry something it can't be something happened to henry because we saw henry at the end of season six and he was fine so I think if they're going to go small with somebody, maybe maybe is going to die or something like that. Um, it could be Jacinda and something's going to happen to her. And that would upset Regina, obviously, because it would break Henry's heart. But then also there's a hole in that theory because he would still have to be without her in this series as in Hyperion Heights as well. Because if they kiss, then the curse is broken. So I don't know. It could be something happening to Jacinda or what Katie said. They did mention something about the darkness. Uh, and Don't defend Katie's kind of theory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend it because it tickled like a, a thought about... Because <laughs> the, um, the villain from The Princess and the Frog, Dr... Facilier. Facilier. I cannot say his name. I can't... I'm not going to try. <laughs> I butcher it every time. But, um... He seemed like he had some craziness gonna happen there. So he could be somehow involved with the darkness. You've also got Rumple trying to get rid of the darkness inside of him. So I'm not gonna discount that. Because it, hey. it would have to be something very bad See? for the heroes Now Katie to be feels good about herself. I, I got you, validated. Katie. I got you. <laughs> Horrible. Okay, so I'm just saying, if it does have something to do with the darkness... You can replay the clip of me theorizing that, and then you telling me that I got an E for effort, okay? Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll just, I'll regret that moment for the rest of the season. So, we'll see, we'll see. It'd be funny. Like, spur of the theory sometimes end up being true. So, I guess we'll Hopefully, have to, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay, so that's really interesting. I'm digging it. I just hope that they don't have to do, like, a split heart type of thing. Like, you know, because yeah. they're, like, they're the snowing. And so if they have to do that, I mean, that would be another parallel. If they're, like, banging us on top of the head with a freaking frying pan. So, mm -hmm. uh, Jenna, what about you? 
I know okay. you have like probably a bajillion theories. I well, actually, I just kind of ha- I had one and a half, and now I have two thanks to both Heather and Katie. Ooh. So, um, first I'm gonna discuss my first one because it's the boring one. The boring one okay. is like it's taking it's like just someone or mo- or multiple people die. The second one is kind of like that, but it's a bit more interesting. Well, what do we what we know about the Dark Curse is that it ta- requires the heart of the one you love the most. Yes, I was going to ask about that. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Thank you. Now, Ivy doesn't really have that. She doesn't love her mother. She didn't love Gregor. She doesn't doesn't have a horse. We've had... But I'm trying to figure out who exactly she would love. So, And obviously, it's got to be somebody who Regina loves, too. So, of course, Henry, Jacinda, and Lucy are all candidates. And I'm thinking maybe she did crush their heart, but here's the thing. There's that darkness, and there's, like, the Dr. Facilier stuff. Friends on the other side, maybe, like, maybe, like, Tiana got some sort of voodoo magic that, can, that like, managed to keep uh, Lucy or Henry or Jacinda or, or whoever is affected by that um, safe from the other side as long as the curse is going into effect because all that darkness kind of makes it, a, like, solidifies the solidifies the voodoo magic so as long as the curse is in effect as long as there's that kind of darkness in the air so to speak whoever that whoever's heart was crushed kind of gets to stay on the living side okay kind of like the whole anastasia is alive with the one last breath so Mm -hmm. maybe they also have the one last breath Mm -hmm. yeah oh that would be interesting because that goes into like the whole thing that i was saying earlier about Lady Tremaine teaming up with them. What if she shared that last breath secret? Mm. Mm. But continue on, Jenna. Okay. I interrupted and totally um, sideswiped. Oh, it's all right. Um, so it's kind. Of, so yeah, I'm thinking like it's almost a Harry Potter. Neither can survive while the other's living. Now that you brought it up, Jeff, that's a really genius parallel between Anastasia and Lucy. Or well, Lucy's kind of who I think it would be because you want to kill the child. child. She's the truest believer, so it would make it the most tragic to be. For her to be on the line. And also because like Ivy's her step aunt. So step aunt and we. Well we know that Ivy's not above killing Henry. And she's not. And she wants to make Jacinda unhappy too. As subtly as she plays it. But Lucy's kind of an odd thing. And she's a child. And like y'all, like love between children redeems. Like it's a, it could be a whole Regina Henry thing of sorts. Or, well, maybe she doesn't love her, but maybe it's, like, the closest thing to love I have. In the same way that, like, Pan doesn't really love Felix, but there's that loyalty of sorts. Like, there's something connecting. Like, there's some... Yeah, like, it's the closest thing she's gonna get to love, and it's just enough to make the Dark Curse work. And maybe because it's so tepid, that's what allows, like, the voodoo that protects Lucy to go into effect. And that way, the Tiana stuff, which didn't already have, like, a connection to the main story suddenly can be brought in because Dr. Facilier's voodoo magic and it's and yeah then we tie it to Anastasia so maybe it's like Lady Tremaine will have to make a choice between giving the last breath to Anastasia or giving it to Lucy and we get a really good conflict in there about letting your child go like and Lady Tremaine coming to terms with Anastasia's death mm, Just I like it that something really big and epic that brings everyone together. Have have we seen Anastasia's face yet? No. Nope. Nope. But she's coming. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I'm really interested why they keep that. I don't know why that's made me think of that. I'm really interested to know why they've kept her face covered for so long, though. Uh-huh. Because she wasn't cast yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, hashtag facts. I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> the real world affects shows. <laughs> it's okay. Because it's mysterious. It's mysterious. Because she's a zombie. Um, <laughs> I really like that a lot. I like Jenna. You win so far. Oh, thank you. Oh, fine. I oh, know. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Hashtag facts again. I like that a lot just because it ties everything together. Uh, yeah. Because like the thing that I thought was like maybe instead of like one of them dying, that like somehow all the quote-unquote heroes got linked together in the curse, and so they would all technically die if if the curse is broken, like, all of their lives are on the line. Because, yeah, because I was like, what could stop? Like, how would it be hero-proof? Like, if it's hero-proof, like, their lives kind of have to be involved in it. But I do like the idea of that it's Lucy. Like, I'll be honest, I would not have thoughts or it would not have occurred to me that the show could go that dark because lucy is a child but i mean it makes for a really compelling story to be quite honest and this season has been a little dark if you think about it so that does make sense i read a theory online uh, people were like what if storybrooke gets destroyed or something like that and that would be compelling enough i think for regina to be scared you know all of her friends and extended family dying in storybrooke but i don't think they would go that route just because i feel like it has to be something close to Gisela for it to make sense, to be quite honest. Because, like, why would she care about Storybrooke, if you think about it? Now, the thing that I think we all have to realize is what we're seeing in the flashbacks right now to the Magical Forest, that happened at least ten years ago. Because if you think about it, Lucy's not born. They haven't fallen in love. They haven't gotten married. This, that, or the other. So, Gisela had a long time. Or at least, you know, however old uh, Lucy is. I'm assuming she's 10. Is she like 8, maybe? I think she's 10. No, she's 10. Uh, she's around she's 10. 10. Yeah, about 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, she's had like about 10 years to like ruminate to uh you know get angry get angrier to learn to acquire whatever whatever to meet up with the witch to meet up with dr facilier in my mind at least to acquire magical artifacts to cast not cast but to um craft the perfect curse to cast so you know, I guess she did her research. Maybe she figured out a way to do it so that she wouldn't have to, you know, use the heart of the person she loves the most. Maybe she figured out a way to bypass that since she made it hero proof. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But Jenna's 
theory, the second one, the non-boring one, actually sounds really interesting. So, uh, Jenna did not have a decade um, to craft that curse, but you had an entire weekend, so I appreciate it. I actually have another theory, if I may. Um, and it, this isn't about casting the curse specifically, but this is kind of like about Lucy's age. And it kind of has to do with the fact that they're not aging. I think there's a bit of a... T- I think there's, at some point, we're going to have a time freeze that's going to um, have... That's going to have... Henry, Jacinda, and Lucy frozen, well, not frozen per se, but everybody frozen but three of them. That way, um, that way, um, Lucy gets to grow up. It makes sense that she doesn't recognize who Regina and Wishhook and Rumpel are because she never met them because there was this freeze. Maybe they were held in captivity somewhere or something, but she never met them. Oh, okay. So you know what? So maybe she's only had a year or two to make the curse. Or, or the time is still the same per se, but like right after um, Jacinda, no, not Jacinda, she would have been Ella. Right after Ella gave birth, like let's say whatever it was was searching for them, and uh, you know whether it's Regina or Rumpel or both of them, they sent them off to another place to hide them. You know, it, maybe it's a place where the, where the, the time is realms. different. Maybe it's the edge of realms, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's, you know, just another realm where time works differently, or maybe it isn't a place where time works differently. And they, they were hidden, and that's why... Because if I recall correctly, it looked like Henry had, like, a cloak on, right, in the season six finale? He had, he had a cape. He had mm-hmm. a cape on, yeah, yeah. and uh, it looked like they were in, like, to be quite honest, some, like, rundown shack or something where they were hiding. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is? It didn't look or- like the Edge of Realms, though, to be quite honest. But maybe they hadn't even really thought of that concept then. But it could just be a different realm where time works differently. Because remember, each realm, they did mention that time does work a little bit differently. Um, Tiger Lily did approach Lucy, and it looked like Tiger Lily was back to being a fairy. And um, after Henry disappeared, oh, you know, with that weird puff of smoke that looked very much like Dr. Facilier's puff of smoke last episode. Mm-hmm. Um she mentioned, you know, we'll see what your mother has to say. So, I don't know. I like the theory. I, I maybe tweak it a little bit and it's not the edge of realms, but just a, a, a realm in which maybe nobody knew them. And so they they didn't think that uh, whomever would end up finding them. So oh, Lucy oh, might didn't... not have ever met the extended family. And that would sort of allow them to sort of like be quote unquote strangers in Hyperion Heights. I'm down with that. I'm in. That's cool. I can dig it. Katie's like, whatever. I like my theory. <laughs> whatever. I know. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, I love the darkness. <laughs> she thought about it like two seconds ago. Anyway, I'm teasing you, Katie. Oh, Whatever. <laughs> now it's time for the MVP. It'd be hilarious. Like I think we'd all die if it is the darkness. 
is or whatever Katie said. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to personally write to them and tell them to change it if it's not the darkness. Yes. Make it about the darkness. I will sign that with you. Okay, thank I mean, you. I'm with you. We'll go. We'll start a petition. <laughs> oh, that and to bring back Wonderland. Yes. Yeah. Well, we will be getting Wonderland soon. Just it's going to be different. Anyway. Yeah. All right, now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? You all know the rules. They're very simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And, and uh, if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to mention, you must select a different one. So no repeats. And uh, Katie, I will let you go first. Since, <gasps> you know, I was picking on you. Yay! <laughs> Okay, well, my MVP tonight is going to be Drizella. Yes, exactly. Well, no, that was actually uh, the obvious choice, Katie. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I I was kind of bouncing between Regina and her, but I really liked um, Adelaide Kane's performance in this episode specifically. Um, just to see her go through that transformation of being this girl who really wants to learn magic and wants a teacher to help her and seems like she's learning from Regina to just in the snap of a finger being that evil and oh, she just did such a good job it was so convincing it was creepy it was a great plot twist she just did a really great job and I really appreciated that and it was it was fun and entertaining to watch. So uh, my MVP is Ivy slash Drizella. Nice. Heather, your MVP and why? Um, my MVP is Henry because he was a complete and total dork when he asked out Jacinda. She got <laughs> major bonus points for holding the boombox over his head. Um, and I really, I thought he had such good growth in this episode just because he is um you know he is going through a lot trying to deal with the whole ivy just in the tri love triangle thing and it was interesting to see him really kind of you know try to make up to jacinda for the mistake of having drinks with a girl that's not her but also then pushing forward on that and trying to actually you know, be, you know, because he seemed like he was very cautious in the Halloween episode, and now it's like he's made up his mind and he's going to go for it. And I'm like, you go, boy. You go. So, go, Henry. All right, now. Jenna, what about you? Your MVP. Oh, you sure you don't want to go first? Because I know who you, I know who you want, and you mm can have her. Well, to be quite honest, I actually have someone different. Oh! Okay, well, um, what? B2 on cease, my friend. <laughs> okay, I'm, I can't pick anybody else but Regina Dash Ronnie. Um, this was a fantastically impressive episode for her. Um, she had the uh, Lana was given so much to do, so much to convey this feeling of being being an unneeded mother, a mentor, a friend, an adversary, a grandmother, a ment a, a different type of mentor figure figure. And a tragic hero, all in one, and she, and it was done so flawlessly. 
so yep she had so much to she had so much to work with so much to do she was and she was clever about it too like i mentioned before the way that the way that she goes to see weaver the way that she originally plans to help lucy see that it's all fake the way that she compares her handwriting to the handwriting on the adoption papers and that's just fantastic and it's cool seeing her be mentorly and then later motherly to Henry and her and Lana's chemistry with Jared is just heartwarming and beautiful and brings back all the regal believer feels. So I've got to give it to, I've got to give it to Regina Ronnie. It's up to you, Jay. Well, you mean Andrew J. West, not Jared. No, I, no I'm saying Jay is in Jeffrey. It's up to no, you. you said Jared before. No, and then I, and then when I concluded, I was saying it's up to you, Jay, is and it's up to you, Jeffrey. Like, no, you're... before you, when you were talking about Regina, you said Jared. Oh, crud, crud! You're right, you're right, you're right. Now I remember. Yeah, it's all about uh, it's about Lana and and uh, and uh, Andrew J. West. There yep, you go. There we go. <laughs> all right. See, I like it. He does such a good job. We just can't even tell the difference. I know the wheels are turning. I I, <laughs> I could hear them in in Jenna's brain. It was fantastic. Okay. I, you know, I love me some Lana and, and Regina, but, and I felt like this was going to be an episode that I was like, 100% she's my MVP. I'm sorry, I just got so intrigued by what I saw. I'm giving it to, and none of y'all picked her, the witch. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yes, wow. I just find her fascinating. The whole thing with, um the the tree that she grew on the ground and mm-hmm. uh, gardener exactly she's a gardener <laughs> and um you know the hair i mean someone should get you a stylist like i mean it was just i just really like the witch and she spoke to me in this episode and um yeah i just i have to give my mvp to her so shout out to the witch you're really Mother Gothel, but uh, you're on the down low, which is fine. All right. So let's rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. Let's start off with... Yeah, we're going back to you. Katie. <gasps> yes. Okay. Um, I feel like... I hope I'm not taking this too far, but I want to give it a golden apple. Bam, bam, bam. That one was earned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just really enjoyed this episode. It was so much fun to watch. There's so many plot twists. We got really good performances from all of the characters, even the ones who didn't have, you know, the biggest scenes or the biggest um, plots in this Victoria episode. Victoria Belfry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it just, it was very well played and I really liked it. And there was, you know, plot twist after plot twist, whether it was Ivy, uh, I keep getting, you know, mixing up the personalities here, whether it was Drizella in the magical forest, um, shocking us all, whether it was, um, Regina being woken up from the curse, whether it was a revelation about what would happen if the curse breaks. It was just, it was really good. And I was not bored at all 
during any part of this episode. So I, I'm i going to give that golden apple to this episode because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's one that I can definitely see myself watching over and over again and not getting bored. I like it. I'm giving myself a golden apple because I forgot to pat myself on the back. But I called that Regina was going to wake up. And Jenna is uh, my notary public. Oh! Bye. She could testify. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Heather, how would you rate this episode? We've got a golden already. uh, So let's see if if, uh, Katie matches with anyone. Um, sorry, Katie. I'm gonna give this one an. I'm gonna give this one an eight. Um, what? Just, well, I'm it just was. It, it was a fantastic. Katie shot her wad early. <laughs> I've already backed you up once, you know. Oh, oh one is the limit <laughs> with Heather. <laughs> we've once, learned. Once like she will have your back once, but Anybody you know. Her podcast that we're fired. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, Katie did kill us all. Was it Katie that killed that's us? That's true. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Okay, that's fine. true. Give me a pass. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, uh, but I'm giving it an eight. It was a fantastic episode, and I really was on the edge of my seat for. Or, um, not really necessarily on the edge of my seat, but I wasn't expecting it to go in a lot of the ways it went. Like I wasn't expecting Drazilla to make that turn. I wasn't. Um, expecting for her and the witch to have that extreme familiar- familiarity between the two of them. And I wasn't expecting Regina to come back. Um, so, but it also started off a little bit slow for me, just because I understood why they needed to create that moment at the beginning of the flashback where Henry and Jacinda were sitting there working on the motorbike, and it was cute and everything, but it, it didn't, like, snatch me in right from the beginning. It wasn't until you got to Drizilla and Regina trying to tutor Drizilla that I actually was like, okay, this could go somewhere very, very interesting. And I got engaged at that point. So because of the slow start, I'm going to give it the eight. But it's still a fantastic episode. All right now. Okay, so we've got a golden apple. We've got eight apples. Jenna, what about you? Where do you stand? How would you rate this episode? Well, I'm looks like I'm with Katie because I am also <gasps> doing it a golden apple. What? Like, golden yes. apple, apple. And wow, I'm I'm so happy. I I knew I was gonna love this episode. I knew it was gonna be exciting. I was on the edge of my seat to watch it all week and I had to wait until like almost midnight to watch it, but just it didn't disappoint at all. Like my issues with it are so small, they're basically negligible. I loved the acting, I loved the dynamics, I loved the plot twists, I loved the fact that they're good plot twists. I liked the cleverness of all the characters. I felt that I felt that it was emotional, it was cool, it had me on the edge of my seat, and just... Okay, so, so far this season, I, I have really enjoyed it. Everything that I've said in my reviews are... Everything that I've said in the reviews are is very true. Unlike Katie. I haven't been like I haven't Excuse been me? in other no. seasons. <laughs> you dorks. I love you. Um I've been on I really enjoyed it, but I haven't been like on the edge of my seat, like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Like previous seasons that has done that to me. But n- but now, like once that episode aired, I've been just nonstop thinking about the show again. Oh. So 
just yes for bringing me for making a fantastic episode that got me back into that hyper terrifying probably not completely healthy state i've got to give it a golden apple jenna Hi. your love affair with once upon a time has returned oh it was yeah. always there it just kind of was like in that snuggly position and now it's just like in oh yeah we're we're gonna do this position i don't want to know the name of that position <laughs> i'm a little terrified now <laughs> katie cover your ears <laughs> that took don't such worry, a turn <laughs> it really did <laughs> just like the episode so hashtag <laughs> plot true. twist true. <laughs> oh gosh i don't even I, I will save us from Whatever that was. Which I started it, so it's my fault. But I didn't kill us like Katie. So, um, stirring the I pot. I think that might be a fate worse than death, what I just put upon everyone. Whatever. Maybe. <laughs> Alright, so I agree with someone. And that someone is... Don't let me down. Katie and Jenna. Sorry, ah! Heather. It's okay. I'm... Living my life like it's golden. It was a fantastic episode. It was uh, a an awesome turning point for the season. And we're only six episodes in. But uh, I'm loving it. Like, these past few episodes, like, each episode has sort of left me with, like, oh my gosh, like, this twist completely changed the game. And this one was a major twist. I mean, first off, Regina is awake. So the the theory that I had uh, last week was that, you know, obviously Rumple is awake. I was like Regina is going to be next and then Wishhook will wake up. And so our trio of uh, vets, you know, outside of Henry, they will all wake up. And initially I was like they're going to wake up and they're going to try to figure out how to stop the curse. But obviously they can't stop the curse because of uh, certain provisions in the curse. But because Regina is awake, because of the excellent plot twist with Drizella, not only is she evil as fuck, but it seems like she cast the Dark Curse, so it was not Lady Tremaine. She did some sort of weird stipulation so that the heroes cannot break it. I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, the episode was amazing. Great callbacks, great usage of flashbacks to previous scenes throughout the uh, six seasons. Well, actually, seven, because they showed a little clip from Henry uh, departing Storybrooks, which was seen in the uh, season seven premiere. It was just amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A great, um, you know, a great uh, acting tour de force performance from Lana and Adelaide. And uh, I'm so excited to see what happens next. So I have to give it a golden apple. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybrooke Weekly. Mirror, once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookeweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookeweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? 
Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Night, everyone. Good night. If a creepy lady offers you a drink, don't take it. <laughs> Solid advice. That is good advice. <laughs> She didn't look that creepy. A little creepy. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night.